It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. This episode of the Yankees Magazine Podcast is brought to you by MLB at Bat. Yankees baseball is always live with MLB at Bat. Follow the action with tracking and video highlights, along with up-to-the-moment stats, standings, breaking news, and more. Download MLB at Bat today in the Apple App Store or Google Play. It's your number one app for Yankees baseball. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Yankees Magazine Podcast. I'm John Schwartz. I'm the deputy editor of Yankees Magazine. With me right now, we have Al Sanasiri, the editor-in-chief. Hello. Hello, Al. And of course, we have our executive editor, Nathan Makaborski. Hi there, everybody. We are closing out the 162-game slate. And whether you're listening to this right when it comes out and it's the final weekend of the season, or if you're listening to it next week and... You know, the Yankees are for the first time in a few years watching the wild card game and awaiting the winner instead of playing in the wild card game. It's kind of unbelievable how we made it here. We have a couple things that we want to talk about today. And I'm going to say less about how the team got here than really about what this team actually is. And I think that CC Sabathia, as we look back on you know the big left-hander's career, and especially that wonderful ceremony that the team had for him at the last home game on Sunday. There's just so much to say. There's so much to write. We, over the years, have certainly done our best to do that. But, you know, we're going to have a a long talk about CC. You know, before we do that, I just think that it's interesting at this point. I think that we we have a general idea of the postseason teams. We have a general idea of the story of the 2019 Yankees regular season. So I'm going to set one rule, which is you can't talk about next man up. But let's start with you, Al. You know, how would you sum up this season? You know, I think it's been as interesting of a year as I've ever seen. For me, it starts last year where we had to play in the wild card, won the wild card, and took on a really good Boston Red Sox team, having already used our our best starter and obviously didn't win that series. And, And I think about spring training, and that's obviously where you pick up. And everything that you imagine needed to happen for us to get to the point where we're at right now, where we don't have to play in the wild card game and really have a great chance to win a division series and move on. Everything that you would think needed to happen, none of that really happened. But at the same time, right now, I look at a team that's really, really talented, really strong, and has really gelled and played hard and had some amazing surprises. When I think about a couple of players, Glaber Torres and DJ LeMahieu, those are the two guys that come to my mind first and foremost, because as good of a player as I really knew Glaber Torres could be, and I admit that I did not know nearly as much about DJ LeMahieu, he has even exceeded the expectations that I had for him, and they were very, very high, particularly when I you know, did a lot of research and wrote that story for our May cover. You just start with those guys, and you look at how amazing of a job that they've done and what they give this team going into the postseason, really two you know MVP caliber players. Then, you know, then I think about Aaron Judge, and yeah, he he missed a lot of time, but he's almost knocking on the door of thirty home runs. You know, having missed a substantial amount of time, and I think about how talented he is. I think about the story that you did with James Paxton and all that happened with him. It's kind of like a roller coaster ride, and then you look at how how he finally kind of found his place here and really took off over the last 10 starts going into the postseason. What an asset that is. And then the last person I think about a lot is Luis Severino, who obviously we did not see at all the whole year, but now has made two really good starts and might be a real asset down the stretch in the the postseason. And maybe the second best or first best relief pitcher that we have, and that's Tommy Canely. 
And if you think about what he's done this year and how impressive and how important it is, uh, it's just a, a really amazing ride that we've been on. And obviously, I hope it continues against some really, really talented teams in the postseason. And I hope we can beat them. Yeah, you know, I saw a uh, Twitter poll the other day where somebody was asking for American League Comeback Player of the Year candidates, and I was a little surprised not to see Tommy Canely's name on there. I guess being a, a middle reliever, maybe he doesn't garner quite the same attention as some other guys, but I mean, in my mind, he's kind of deserving of at least uh, consideration. Um, yeah, it's been really uh, an amazing year. You know, when, when we acquired Giancarlo Stanton back in December of 2017 immediately we all thought wow like Stanton and Judge together in the same lineup like this is going to be like record-breaking and you know we've been kind of uh still waiting for a full season of those two guys together at at full health you know and uh it's going to happen one of these years but even though it didn't happen this year outside of a handful of games this team just kept right on rolling and you know I really think CC Sabathia and Brett Gardner have have something to do with that. I mean, obviously, you know, kudos to the to the front office for recognizing a lot of hidden gems and bringing in guys like Gio Urshela and Mike Talkman and Cameron Mabin, you know, guys who a lot of other teams maybe passed on or or didn't recognize the potential that was there. But, you know, everybody who has stepped in has done well. And I think that's a credit to the guys in the clubhouse, Sabathia and Gardner, and, and just, you know, making guys feel comfortable. Whether you've been here for 10 years or 10 days, uh, if you're dressing in that clubhouse, you're welcomed with open arms. You're expected to play well. And there's just a, a really good clubhouse atmosphere on this team. Nate, you mentioned the comeback player. I think the the story of the Yankees is the come-from-nowhere player of the year. I mean, you just mentioned a bunch of them. Gia Warshella, Mike Talkman. I'm, I'm even going to say Tommy Canely, because I know Tommy Canely has good pedigree. But still, I mean, there was every reason to believe that he was done after last year. Um, I don't think that's a comeback. I think that is, again, a come-from-nowhere. To me, to me, the thing that's going to stick out about this season is certainly that, but also just... This is a little inside baseball here, but as we were putting the October issue to bed this past weekend, you know, we were we were trying to get ahead of some stuff on Friday. And Nate, I don't know if you even remember this, you said, let's put this line in here and we'll just check it later. And the line was, you know, the Yankees, what, basically won every series after the All-Star break at home. Is that correct? After mid-April. After mid-April, sorry. The last time they lost a series at Yankee Stadium was in mid-April. So we were going home on Friday before the series against the Blue Jays even began. And we just said, okay, let's just, you know, the, the stat is, you know, much cooler if it's won every series since then instead of up until the last series. You know, so we were like, okay, let's just check it on Monday. Well, well, let's put this in there. And, of course, the Yankees did win the series. Of all the insight, of all the, you know, truisms, whatever you want to say about baseball, just the one that I think is the realist in a sense and, and the most important is – the one I always go back to, every team's going to lose a third, every team's going to win a third, and it's what you do with the other third. And if you think just about the home games, the Yankees won all of the other third. You know, so as this last week approaches and as the Yankees kind of were not allowed, in a sense, the hangover game, because despite clinching the division, they still are chasing something, you see how important home field advantage is because this team has been so good at home. And you don't want to look past the division series, which the Yankees will have home field advantage in, again, for the first time in years. But, you know, you also have to look to the potential, whether if it is Houston in the ALCS, if the Yankees are lucky enough to be in the ALCS. We saw in 2017 how important home field advantage is. But more than that, we saw in 2019 how good this team is at home. You know, I wrote a story for the October issue kind of, you know, trying to make sense of this season a little bit. And, you know, I think Aaron Boone and, and his staff certainly deserve a lot of the credit for it too. You know, I think it's kind of human nature to, you know, after a, a big success to maybe take a breath and let your foot off the gas a little bit, you know, maybe from our perspective, if we're here super late one night, you know, wrapping up a magazine, then you come in the next morning, you're like, okay, you know, let me kind of just, you know, relax for a second, get back to baseline and then, and then we'll kick it up a notch again. This team just never seemed to let up. Anytime that I thought to myself, you know, here's, here's a spot where, you know, other teams or maybe in past years, 
a team might let up. You know, I, one of the examples I used, and, and there's many, but we went to Dodger Stadium and it had the big three game series, you know, sold out crowds, weekend series against the first place Dodgers, potential World Series preview matchup in the minds of a lot of people. And we took two out of three. And then you go from there to Seattle, which, you know, they're having a down year. Not a lot of fans coming out to the ballpark that late in the season. Thinking maybe here's a letdown spot. The Yankees swept that series too. And it was like that all season long, which I think is really a credit to, to Boone and, uh, and the coaching staff. I agree with you. I think that there certainly is that understanding that you can't take the first round of the playoffs for granted, but there there is a second understanding that there's a good chance if they get through the first round, they do play Houston, who is still within their their reach of getting that home field advantage. And I think that might, you know, obviously players talk about not scoreboard watching and all that stuff, but through the year, you look at how good Houston is, obviously pretty much the same record. And I think that's a big reason they they knew they could never take their foot off the, the gas. But also that to me really emphasizes even more how hungry this team is. And I think that's really a testament to Aaron Boone, to his staff, and to the players on the team, to a guy that I forgot to mention, Brett Gardner. You know, they're they're really, really a hungry team. They want to get home field, and they want to get to the World Series. I'm happy you brought up Gardner because I think of all the things to love about this team right now, you know, certainly it was so enjoyable watching Gardner all year. But one of the things that I'm going to take away from this is last Thursday night when the team's, you know, spraying champagne and everything like that. Now, first off, let me put my cards on the table. My general philosophy on baseball is celebrate everything. I, I I have no use for the people who say, you know, oh, you know, your goals are bigger than this. Why are you celebrating division? Like, no, absolutely. It is really hard to do what these teams do. And as much as Yankees fans want to have the attitude still that this team is better than a division ser- a, a division championship, they, they haven't been. That's not true. They, they literally haven't done it since 2012. So I love the fact that the team went crazy on Thursday night and I think they deserved it and I think it was great and I think that you have to have joy in what you do as a baseball player because if you lose it it's just you know it's too hard the game's too hard if you don't agree for me the thing that will always stand out is Brett Gardner saying that night that this year is the most fun he's had playing baseball now on the one hand it's obviously worth mentioning this is probably Brett Gardner's best offensive season so you can understand why that was probably pretty fun to trot around the bases as much as he got to but Brett Gardner isn't a guy who you know you don't think of the fun he's having on the field you think of the fire you think of the banging the bat whatever and I thought it was great that the the leaders on this team both CC and Gardner are the two guys who not only kept the intensity up all year which they did but they also kept the mood light and and they part of that is just by allowing the young players on this team that are so, so good and so plentiful to, you know, be themselves. And I think that's a, a huge credit to Gardner, CC, and all these guys. I couldn't agree with you more. I think about how hard it is to win a championship. And if that's the only thing that fans or, you know, people within a clubhouse think you should celebrate, I think they're, they're then forgetting how hard it is to win a division. They're forgetting how hard it is to win an ALDS series or a championship series. And I'm going to cut you off, and, and, and I'm not knocking when I say this about the 98 team that was so proud of the fact that, you know, they won those, like, little steps along the way, and they shook each other's hands and, you know, went home, and, and that was that. That was a different time for the Yankees, first of all. But even if it wasn't, I, I prefer this. As a fan, I prefer this. I want to see the guys just enjoying it. I, I agree. And when you, I mean, just, just looking at the competition that's out there, and we, we, you know, we talk about the Astros a lot. You look at the Dodgers and what they've done. I, by no means am I saying the Yankees can't beat either of those teams because I think they can beat anyone with the team they have. Um, but it, it really shows you how hard it is to win a division, to win a a, a a playoff round, two, three playoff rounds, whatever it may be. And for that, you have to celebrate each of the each of the different things because they are big accomplishments. They're not the biggest one, but they are big accomplishments. And um and and they make a season really special. No matter what happens after that, it's special because of what they've done. And I agree with you. And you know, the other thing we're talking about Gardner a lot. You know, I think about all the celebration 
and all the accolades that CC Sabathia has received, and they're all deserving, and every one of them is deserving, and he is a true champion, a true leader, a, a true Hall of Famer, and, and all of that. And obviously, you know, he came out and said that this was going to be his last year. So with the, the way that I just described him, plus the fact that, you know, everybody knew that this was it, I'm glad he's gotten the celebration he's gotten. I look at Brett Gardner, who knows what his future is, whether it's with the Yankees, whether it's not with the Yankees. I hope it's it's here and with the Yankees and continues for, for some time, especially after the way he's played this year. But really what he's brought to this team, both in terms of performance on the field, as well as the same or similar type of leadership that CeCe Zabathia has brought, obviously you can't celebrate him because you don't know what his future holds. But boys, he is as deserving, in my opinion, of everything that CC Sabathia has gotten. Obviously, that could not happen. But I uh, just think the world of, of what he's done and how it really parallels CC, except for without the announcement, I guess you could say. Well, I think, I think there's a good reason for there not being an announcement, and that's because I can't see any reason why... I don't think he wants to go play elsewhere. I don't think it's about the money for mm-hmm. Gardner right now. I mean... I don't think that he expects necessarily to get a 162-game offer from the Yankees, but I, I think at this point there's no reason for me to think at least that there's not some sort of deal that can be made there to satisfy both parties. Yeah, I think when the when the time comes for Gardner to step away, whenever that is, he'll probably do it a little differently than Sabathia has. He's, <laughs> he's a guy who uh, doesn't really seek the spotlight. You know, Gardner is... He likes to kind of operate in the shadows a little bit, and that's cool. You know, that's that's his style. I, I would be surprised if he like did the you know announce in February this is going to be my last year. And I think that's such a shame. We'll get to this a little bit more when we talk about Sabathia, but you know, when, when I look at whether you want to call it a farewell tour or anything like that this year, but I, I also just there's a huge part of me that thinks that the game owes it to these guys, and that these guys owe it to the game to say goodbye and to let the fans say goodbye. That to me is the most special part of, you know, this past year for CeCe. It's not, you know, the gifts he got and all these things, which are nice. It's this opportunity he has wherever he goes for fans of baseball, whether they're fans of the Indians or the Yankees or the A's or any other team, just fans of baseball to get a chance to say, you're one of the best who's done this and we salute you. Everyone knows about the relationship between the Yankees and the Red Sox, but whether it was Jeter or whether it was Poppy or whether it was, you know, now CeCe, that's the moment when you really see how special the game is um, and how special the fraternity of the game is when the fans for the arch rival get to stand up and, and say, man, did we love rooting against you all these years? Man, did we love fighting you all these years? But, you know, congratulations, it was a joy. And so, yeah, I think you're right that I don't see Brett Gardner being the kind of guy who wants to make that announcement earlier. And I asked Musina this, Mike Musina, when he was here for his Hall of Fame uh, celebration, you know, did he ever wish that he had made an announcement? He said, no, you know, it wasn't me. And that's fine. And, you know, good for Musina that it worked out that he got into the Hall of Fame. And so he does get to come back here and get, you know, driven around the stadium in a golf cart. But if that hadn't happened, I think that's a shame. I think that, you know, it's important for the fans to get to say, hey, man, you did it right. Congratulations. We love you. So I, I hope Gardner doesn't do what you're talking about. Especially a guy like Gardner, who's spent his entire career in pinstripes, came up through the minors here. I mean, he's a fan favorite. He's one of those guys who, you know, maybe uh, on, the, on the West Coast, they're not quite as familiar with all that he's done for the Yankees. But I mean, here in the stadium, you see number 11s on the backs of a lot of fans. And, you know, I think about some of the the goodbyes that we've seen over the years here. And I mean, they're amazing memories, you know, from Paul O'Neill to Mariano on the mound and Jeter's final game. I mean, and Sabathia's just now, you know, I I hope that Brett would would see some of those and think, you know, maybe it is a a good idea to be able to, you know, have have a a kind of a formal goodbye with these fans. And even if it's not year long, even if it's Mm -hmm. just, you know, September 1st, just saying, you know what, like, I I know who I am, I know what the future holds, and I just want to take one month to wherever I go and whoever I see to tip my cap to them, Mm -hmm. whatever. And it's important. The game has a life cycle that is, you know, it can be very difficult. And when you've earned the right to be respected by all the fans, I think those fans in turn have earned the right to show you the proper goodbye. 
Yeah, I think so. And, you know, Nathan, I think about what you just said. He's gotten a really good education in how special for yourself and for your family that moments like that can be. They're they're everlasting. Derek Jeter, who is really not a sentimental person in any way, shape, or form. I've interviewed him where he's very sentimental about those last couple moments of his career, the last game at Fenway, the last game, of course, at Yankee Stadium, and, and you know the last couple weeks of his career. But one thing that I, I will remember, um, I did a piece with Brett Gardner um, this spring, uh, just a Q&A piece about his you know, his career to this point and what he was expecting this year. And it was a lot of fun sitting down with him as it always is. And I asked him, you just, you know, look back. I mean, you, you were a big part of the, you know, 2009 World Series team and you were here to win that. Besides that, you know, what are some of your other favorite moments of your career? And he pointed to two moments and one was Derek Jeter's last game and one was Mariano Rivera's last game and talked very eloquently about how special those moments were. Not only for Jeter and Rivera, but for him just to have this like front row view of baseball history and, 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 and of some of the more emotional moments in baseball history. And so maybe there is something to that. You know, maybe he really, the fact that he did get to witness those and did get to kind of soak in what those things mean, maybe he will um, do it himself. One of the memories that I'll take back from this season of Gardner, and again, you know, I talked about the things he said Thursday after the clinch, but if you look, that was a really special game in a lot of ways. The the clinch against the Angels. I'm so glad, by the way, that it worked out that way because I was here the night before when like the Yanks lost to the Angels, and then they all sat around in the clubhouse for a couple hours watching the Rays play the Dodgers out west, and the Rays ended up coming back and winning that game in extra innings, so they were, they stuck around for nothing. And that was basically the first question I asked all the guys on Thursday night was after that horrible night, probably the worst night of the season for a team, <laughs> in the second inning, DJ LeMahieu hits a three-run home run. Yankees are up by three runs. And at that point, you kind of knew, like, all of a sudden you get this vintage Tanaka start. Mm-hmm. You know, you have a home run from DJ LeMahieu, who's been the surprise hero of the season. You have a home run from... Brett Gardner, who's kind of, you know, the institutional memory and the, the tide of that 2009 World Series team. You have a home run from Cameron Mabin, who just came in as kind of like this little spark plug of, you know, personality and charm and che- good cheer all year. And you have a home run from Clint Frazier, who there was so much, you know, question marks before the season of, first off, whether he and Gardner could even coexist and then, you know, who he was and what he was going to get to do. And Lord knows this was not the season he wanted, and I think he'd be the first to tell you he was enormously frustrated both on and off the field this year. But you just if you, if you look at the box score from that game, you know, and again, that game is one out of 162. They did not win the division because of that game, you know. But if you look at the box score from that game, you just see so much about what this team is. And one of the things you see in that box score is no Aaron Judge, you know, and it's just this team just did it. I, I don't want to say it didn't matter because I, I think – Aaron Boo did an excellent job, actually, of making it matter and making out good lineup cards. But there were days when you had Gary Sanchez, and there were days when he didn't. There were days when you had Aaron Judge, and there were days when he didn't. In this game that I'm talking about here, you had Giancarlo Stanton, but certainly for most of the season you didn't. And it was just whoever was in that lineup on that day when the ninth inning rolled around, and you know you didn't look at like a, well, not gonna, it's not gonna be our night or whatever. It was just okay, so you know. Maybe it'll be Gardner, or maybe it'll be Mabin, or maybe it'll be Frazier, or maybe it'll be LeMahieu. And that was what that game was. And I think it was a perfect way to nail down the division with, you know, a pitcher who, you know, you know what he's capable of, and you don't see it every game, but you know what he's capable of, and you, you know, you, you expect huge things from him in the postseason. And then, you know, just the guys who kind of, like, in different ways did it all year. And it was, it was very fun to be here to watch it. It was fun to see afterward, like, what you know, to, to see Clint Frazier walking around that clubhouse that day, not mopey and not frustrated, but knowing what he had done and knowing that he had been a part of it. Mm-hmm. And, and it, those are the things that will stick with me. A lot, lot of different contributors to this 2019 team. That's the thing. I mean, that, that's, that's, that's the story of the team. We are going to, with that, take a quick break. Um, we've already started talking about it. We're going to talk about it a lot more when we come back on the other side. we got to talk about the big man, CeCe Sabathia, at the ceremony that the team had for him to say goodbye and of course the year and really the years that led up to it so stick with us 
Hi, this is Aaron Boone. You're listening to the Yankees Magazine Podcast. The Yankees Magazine Podcast is also brought to you by MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand with MLB.tv. Your subscription includes MLB at Bat Premium, allowing you to stream live baseball on your favorite supported devices. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details. And welcome back. We've spoken a lot already about all the guys who played their big parts to make the 2019 Yankees the AL East champions. And, you know, whatever the stats, whatever you saw day-to-day on the mound, it's just so clear the role, whether this year or in leading up to this year, creating the space for this year, in a sense, that CeCe Sabathia played. I had the incredible good fortune over both my years at Major League Baseball and certainly since I've been with the Yankees of being taken into confidence by CC by Amber and all these things and being able to tell their stories in a lot of cases. And really I'm very proud of the way it culminated this year, man, that's a hard career to synthesize. That's a, that's a hard story to tell in a couple thousand words, which fortunately for me, I chose to use many thousands of words, but it's emotional for me. I mean, it's emotional for me as a writer. Mm -hmm. Um, It's emotional for me as a baseball fan. I just got so much joy out of trying my best to tell that story. And so I'm curious from you guys, you know, I know how I approach this. I know what I wanted to do with this. Nate, as you think back to the years you've spent covering CeCe Sabathia, how would you lead off? What would your lead be here? Well, I agree that it's emotional. You know, I've, I was moved to tears uh, standing out there on Sunday watching those videos of the tributes from his family, reading the letters aloud to him. But it wasn't just that. It was just thinking about what he's meant to me personally as a journalist, as a, a an employee of the New York Yankees. You know, I, I started here in 2007. I was 28 years old. And I, I had spent a few years like you, John, at Major League Baseball before that. And I got a lot of joy out of covering the Yankees and interviewing players in the clubhouse and things like that. CC was really the first guy that I ever really was able to just talk to as like a man. You know, it was certainly professional and I was doing my job and he was doing his, but he just, he's the type of guy he just opens up and he's welcoming to all people. And I had never really experienced that before. And, you know, right off the bat in 2009, his his first season here, uh, he invited us out to Vallejo, his hometown. Him and Amber had just launched the, the Pitch-In Foundation uh, not long before that. And they were doing their first backpack giveaway uh, at the first day of school at the elementary school where he went in Vallejo. They gave away 500 backpacks that day. And uh, I learned recently that what's that number up to now? 50,000. 50,000. Amazing. And, you know, I got to, you know, meet his family and his mom and cousins, aunts and people he grew up with, coaches, teachers, and really started to understand just what a what a good dude he is. You know, he's like, he's just a guy who loves to have fun, first of all, which is a big reason why he came here. You know, when, when Brian Cashman went out there after the 2008 season to try and woo him, he sold him on the fact that we want to make this clubhouse fun, comfortable, welcoming to anybody who sets foot in there. And not just for the players, but for their families as well. And so that was like music to his ears. That was the perfect, that was exactly what he wanted to hear. And that trickles down to us for the last 10, 11 years. You know, we walk into that clubhouse and there's nothing intimidating about it. You know, you can walk up to any guy who's there and and have a have a great conversation. And Cece and, and, and Guardy both played a, a huge part in, in setting that tone. So for me, uh, I'm going to be really sad that he's gone next year. I'm hopeful that we'll still see him around. But obviously, he's not going to be around as much as he has been. And, uh, you know, I was just 
you know, thankful that he was a Yankee. I'm, I'm so glad he came here and that personally I had the opportunity to work with him because he was just fantastic. Kind of piggyback on that, Nate. I, I'll tell you guys both uh, or tell our, our listeners here, I have not chronicled him to the extent that either of you guys have. Um, I've, I wrote a, a long story with him uh, where I interviewed him over lunch in New York City a few years ago. I enjoyed it immensely. I've done a couple other <clears throat> smaller stories with him. and But even having not spent the type of time or the amount of time that you guys have spent with him, he's still a guy who seeks me out, which is very, very unique and rare, as you guys know, to say hello, to see how I'm doing. So he's a special person and, and even someone who who's had limited exposure to him like myself can see and understand. And that's, again, very, very special. But when you talk about reasons you're thankful he was here obviously he's been such a great person to be around uh, as I said even even for me I've experienced that but I'm also really really thankful that he was here and I feel that way every time I put on my 2009 World Series ring and you know a lot of players contributed to that championship Derek Jeter certainly Alex Rodriguez with his postseason heroics I just did this story on Johnny Damon and what a big role he had in that World Series but of all those players it's really hard to imagine that anyone had as big of an impact as CC Sabathia did he was the guy that won games every time they needed to win games and there was really it seemed no one else on the team or potentially in the league at that time who had the ability to win the way that he did and specifically when he did. Every time we needed him, he came through and won big games, particularly in the postseason. And that's really what I'm, you know, kind of focusing on when I talk about this. And, you know, you could take away every player from that roster and we may have actually won. But it's really hard to say that we would have won without CC Sabathia. For somebody who's been here 17 seasons, as I have, has one championship ring, which I'm extremely proud of that that's happened. Boy, am I glad he was here because without him, I might not have any. And that's such a huge point you're making. You know, it, 20, 2009 was a long time ago at this point. And I think that it's a little too easy right now to think of CC Sabathia as, you know, the huge clubhouse presence and the big fella and all, all these things and just, you know, the role he plays behind the scenes. You have to go back. It's so important, 2009, 10, 11, 12, you know, all those years, you know, just how much of a force he was on the mound as well. And certainly before he got here, CC Sabathia, I, I'm confident, is a Hall of Famer and Obviously, you know, the last it's not because of the last five years It's because of the things he did. But, you know, it's, it's it's crazy to not think about just how much impact he had on the field in his first few years with the Yankees. And at the same time, and because it is 2019 and because we're talking about this in 2019, that's not going to be for me the first thing that I go to. It's going to be the years that I've spent around him, me personally, watching his kids grow up to the point of watching that video Sunday during that ceremony and the emotion was just overwhelming and it's not just because you see Cece crying it's because you feel like you know this family and you feel like you know you 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 spent time with this family you know the people on the Yankee scoreboard crew the on-demand team you know there's not enough that can be said about the job they did of putting the, the marketing team also of putting together that ceremony and making it unique and special and meaningful and you know, I, I, after I watched it later that night, I went to my parents' house and I, I made my dad sit and watch the ceremony and he teared up, you know, hours later watching it because it was just extremely special. Yeah, I um, I got two tickets for that game so that my, my dad and my son could come and uh, I was really glad that they were here to see that. So, you know, as you alluded to, you've had the chance to write plenty of feature stories in Yankees magazine about CeCe Sabathia as have I. He was actually the my first ever cover story for Yankees Magazine was about CC Sabathia, so he'll always have a special place in my heart for that reason as well. My first ever cover story was about Jacoby Ellsbury, so you know your <laughs> mileage may vary. You know, it's uh, a, a challenge, like you said at the top here, to to put into words everything that he's meant. So, what can readers expect? Well, the first thing I'll say that I'm proud of is that they can expect a very different story from the October story that I wrote last year about CeCe Sabathia. 
obviously in retrospect, you know, he and Amber wanted the whole, you know, legacy tour. So maybe we should have seen coming that, uh, it wasn't going to be his last year, last year, but we had to be prepared for it. We thought there was a good chance that was his last, you know, month in pinstripes. And so last year I really wrote just a very big story, a, a real look back at, you know, 20 years and, and even before that, you know, 25 years, essentially talking about him as a kid too being drafted and everything like that. I, I I did the opposite almost in this story, which is certainly about CeCe Sabathia, but it's also mainly about, I I think, what comes next and what comes next for CeCe Sabathia and what comes next for the Yankees and how, you know, you replace both emotionally, physically, and statistically what he's done over the years. Yeah, and... You know, it should be noted that it's a uh, a package deal with CC Sabathia. The Yankees aren't just losing a pitcher; they're losing him and his wife Amber, who's you know played a pretty significant role off the field too. So there's uh, going to be somebody who needs to step up and kind of fill her shoes as well. So here's the thing: I approached a lot of my interviews for the story in a jokey manner, a little bit, you know, asking a lot of different people who's going to be harder to replace on this team, CeCe Sabathia or Amber Sabathia. And I very quickly realized that actually it wasn't a joke and that the answer probably isn't CeCe. Um, (laughs) Including, by the way, from CeCe. Um, You know, you can't say enough about the job that Amber does with this team. One of my favorite interviews I did for the story, and it goes without saying, because anytime you get to talk to Gene Afterman, she's probably the favorite interview you'll do for whatever story you're working on, because she is the absolute best. But Gene really gave me, Gene's the assistant general manager of the Yankees, she really gave me a sense of not just how impressed she is by Amber, but on how big of a role Amber played in the Yankees pursuing CeCe, and, and not just pursuing him, but really bringing him in here to be so central to the team's future at the time they did it. They knew at the time, in 2008, when they were in free agency, they already knew it then that, you know, they wanted a person like Amber as there was, you know, the team was turning over a lot. And, you know, people say that the the previous captain of the wife was Jorge Posada's wife, Laura, you know, and, and, and at that time, you know, the team knew that Jorge was getting pretty close to moving on also. And, it was not a small thing. They needed somebody to help, you know, build the Yankees family off the field as well. That is not negligible. These guys are away for a big part of the year. It is a weird life. It's a hard life. It's especially hard in New York and around New York. A lot of these guys, while make, they make very good livings, a lot of these guys are not making CeCe Sabathia's free agent contract. You know, they're, they're trying to navigate life in and around the city on a nice salary, but there's a lot that comes with it. There's a lot they have to do, and there's a lot of questions they have, and there's a lot of a lot of these people come from all parts of the country who've never been to New York. Suddenly, they have to figure out a way to make a life for themselves here and also excel while they're doing it, and the wives play such a huge role in that. She told me two stories that I loved for this. One of them, which I, I almost didn't put in because I, I thought that might, people might read it the wrong way and be offended by it, but I'm happy I did was at photo day this year, the wives were taking a, a wives photo and, you know, Ari Hecht, our photographer, Ari Goldman Hecht, our photographer is about to, you know, snap the picture. And all of a sudden Amber looks and realizes that all the wives had like inadvertently like segregated themselves into, you know, different ethnicities and everything like that. And she just runs out and is like, no, 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 no. You, everyone like switch places, like three spots, basically. Like what's, what are you, what are you doing? And like, they all looked at her and like, what are, and literally they said like, what are we going to do without you next year? And I mean, and, and that's a small thing. It's a silly thing. And probably no one would have noticed if it happened, but it drove her crazy. And and one of the reasons it drove her crazy is because from the, from her earliest days as a baseball girlfriend at the time in Cleveland. And I mean, the Spathias have such wonderful memories of Cleveland and of a lot of the players in Cleveland. But she told me a story of showing up to the ball field one day, getting into the wives section and noticing no one was there. And, Oh, that's weird. You know, is there something I don't know, whatever. So she goes down to the family room eventually and she sees all the wives are there having a baby shower. And she was like, oh my God, you know, congratulations. This is wonderful. You know, why didn't anyone tell me? And they basically said to her, you know, that this was for wives, not girlfriends. And 
that stuck with her, obviously, you know, nearly two decades later. And she said right then she always knew that, like, there would be no divisions and there'd be no clicks and there'd be nothing like that, that, you know, every they were all in this together, in a sense. And that was her goal that she wanted to bring all these years. I think that's a great story. I think the whole piece that you wrote is absolutely wonderful. And you guys have both written some astonishingly insightful, interesting and well put together pieces this year. And this is, this one is no different. Um, what I love about your story really is it embodies everything that I've always wanted Yankees magazine to be, which is not a look back in this instance at CC Sabathia's career, simply from a statistical perspective and what he's done and how he's helped the Yankees win and so on and so forth. Our magazine really goes deeper into our subjects really than any other certainly any other team publication. And this really embodies that. And you did a great job with it, John. And, and just talking about the impact that Amber has truly goes deep and beyond. And, you know, it's funny that you just talked about that story. What's so great about this team, really, I think since 2009, not coincidentally, <laughs> is the chemistry of the team. And, you know, when you think about the chemistry of the team, you know, people normally just think about the guys on the team, the men on the team, but it does go much beyond that. And when I say much beyond that, it goes into their homes and what they take from their homes to the ballpark. And I just think that chemistry could have been very, very different without somebody like Amber Sabathia. And that story truly is a microcosm of it and, and truly an, a true illustration of it. So you really captured it. And I just think it's so important that you did capture it and, and really illustrated what she's done. So John, you spent time with CC out in Oakland, right? Yep. Um, near his hometown, covered a couple different events that he's done this season. Uh, you've covered plenty of events with him in years past. You know, sports often can, can offer lessons. And I'm wondering for you, you know, having spent as much time around Sabathia and his family as you have over the last few years, is there anything that you've taken away or learned from him that you could see being applied in your own life? That's such a good question. The biggest thing I would say, and this is so simple, but I think it goes back to a lot also about what we were saying in the last segment is be nice to people and enjoy what you're doing. is a great teammate because it starts with his being a great pitcher. He, they didn't just let him stick around the clubhouse because he was a great teammate. He was a great pitcher and that was really important. And this year, he didn't win 20 games or anything like that, but he was effective. He, he was an effective arm this year, and he played a needed role. But every single player on that team, and I really stress every single player on that team that I spoke to, they all said that he's just the guy who they go talk to if they need something. He's the guy who kind of showed them the ropes. And same, same with Amber, that you know she helped out their wives or their girlfriends. And they talk about how much joy he takes and how – the, the lasting memories are him yelling at umpires or Tampa Bay Rays <laughs> dugout. <laughs> um, you know, one of the things that really I enjoyed so much in that uh, scoreboard video on Sunday was there's just like this long section of the video that was him celebrating on the mound after big strikeouts. And you just saw the joy he took. And yeah, is that going to rub some people the wrong way? Fine. I don't think CeCe's ever cared about rubbing people the wrong way. Like I think he wants to go after you and he's going to give it to you regardless but, you know, he just took so much enjoyment out of it, but he did it well. And he never looked to put anyone down. He never looked to big time anybody. And, you know, he, he always, always carried the examples that were set for him by the people who changed his life, whether it was his mother, who he revered, and, and everyone who meets Margie reveres her because she's incredible. But his mother, certainly his wife, Dave Stewart, the story he always tells about, you know, meeting him. And look, there's a cycle. And, and, and so how many times have we heard him talk about the being at the Boys and Girls Club and Dave Stewart coming to speak to him? So what was, you know, one of the most notable parts of this farewell tour? It was in every road city meeting with 52 kids from Boys and Girls Clubs. And, you know, maybe not all, maybe it's not going to resonate to every single one of them. And certainly in the story, I write about, you know, these kindergartners in Vallejo who... They're literally walking in for their first thing, holding their parents' hands, and they're CeCe Sabathia. And it's, I mean, what are the chances that the kindergartner knows who CeCe Sabathia is? But, you know, what they're seeing is excellence. And what they're seeing is the importance of community. And someday, 
whether it's their parent or whether it's a picture, they're going to remember that on their very first day of school ever, the first thing that happened to them was that they shook Cece Sabathia's hand. I would point to the family aspect of just how important uh, it's been to Cece as as one of my main takeaways, you know, from getting to, to meet Margie during that first trip out to California and understanding where Cece came from as an athlete because, you know, she was an athlete herself and, and she helped him develop his skills at a young age. But as good as he was, and, you know, obviously he was pretty big too, it was never about getting a scholarship or becoming a pro. It was about having fun. You know, every story that she told memories of him growing up, it was about spending a whole day at the little league field. You want to go play soccer, go play soccer, like whatever you want to do. If you're having fun, as long as your grades are good, you can do it. And she credits that in a lot of ways with, you know, just keeping him out of trouble. And, you know, Vallejo certainly has some, some rough areas, like it could have gone a different way. And then you fast forward all these years later, I just have so much admiration for the way he incorporates his family into everything he does. And in an age where like you really don't have to look very far to see athletes who are terrible role models, I hope that a lot of young people and even not so young adults, you know, young, young fathers see this guy and see that this is the way you do it. So if you are a fan of CeCe Sabathia or if you just want to know more about him, my gosh, is this issue for you. We have some like 75,000 words that I wrote about him for my feature <laughs> and we have a great photo essay and all throughout the magazine. There are just incredible photos from, you know, these last few weeks and kind of the ways that uh, these last few years, these last few weeks, what have you, you know, culminating with a just wonderful picture that our photographer Barry Schneiderman took of the tear rolling down his eyes all year. He and I had a running joke because at every time he had a gaggle of any kind, someone would ask him, you know, so, you know, are you nostalgic about this? Whatever. He's like, no, nah, man, I'm not nostalgic yet. And I, I would say to him, and I said it like seven times, like, do you promise us the minute you get nostalgic, you're going to let us all know so that we can all write about it. <laughs> and he said he promised he would do it. He would do it. And I've yet to hear him say it, but I think we saw on the field that it finally did happen. Yeah. And you know, I, when we did the, the photo shoot across the street with him, one of the guys from Yankees on Demand tagged along with us, Brandon Mim, and he's uh, you know part of the crew who put together those great video tributes that they played on Sunday. And I overheard Brandon telling CC like, "Man, we spent so much time on this. Like, we wanted to really do it right for you on your way out." And you know, CC was really appreciative of that. And I feel the same way about this October issue. Like, I'm so excited for our readers to see this because I mean, we, I can't tell you how many hours Ari and I spent going through photos for this photo essay, which, you know, encapsulates his entire Yankees career. And then uh, just, you know, selecting the perfect images for the extra innings photo, the on deck circle. I'm really, really proud of uh, the work that we all did on this issue and excited for people to see it. I feel the same way. You know, sometimes we, you know, we call you know, a, an edition of Yankees magazine, a commemorative or a special edition. This is the October issue. It's the ALDS program, but it is in many ways without calling it, it's commemorative of something really, really special, a really special era. And it also, you know, what you were talking about, Nate, you know, about the photo shoot, I was really happy to be there. I was happy to walk over to Heritage Park and, you know, not that I really helped very much, but I tried to, uh, but more importantly, just kind of getting to experience it. And you talk about him, you know, about Cece being nostalgic. I saw a little glimpse of it even then when at the end of the photo shoot, you know, people like us who he's worked with, obviously you more than me, um, he came up to at the end, you know, we're standing there in the shadow of Yankee Stadium on Heritage Park Field, you know, and he's coming up to us and, and thanking us, which mm -hmm. again speaks volumes about him. But, you know, hey, great working with you and thanking us and giving each of us a hug. You know, there's not a lot of players that would do that, but also you could see that, you know, he's he's um, <clears throat> mindful of everybody that's been around him. And I think that's a, a special quality. And, and I did see, you know, the nostalgia of the moment and of the moments that obviously were ahead starting to come out. So please, when you come out here for the ALDS, 
pick up a copy. Uh, if you're not able to make it to the ballpark and call 800-GO-YANKS, you can still buy a copy of the ALDS program. If you're a subscriber, you are going to get the same magazine, but a- another extremely special cover, which is only available to subscribers and on other newsstands. You can find it there. In the meantime, visit us at yankees.com slash magazine, where you can read this story and all of our other long-form content. Check us out at Yanks Magazine on Twitter. Write to us, letters at yankees.com or podcastyankees.com. And of course, subscribe to our podcast, yankees.com slash podcast. We will come back at you in two weeks talking about hopefully a successful American League Division Series, which will either at the time still be going on or will be finished again, hopefully on the good side. And if it is on the good side, we'll be talking about the ALCS. If it's not, well, we'll find other things to talk about. So stick with us. You know, whenever the offseason does start, we're going to have some great stuff coming at you, but hopefully not too soon because we'd love to keep talking Yankees playoff baseball with you. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great day. Bye now. Hi, this is Jay Happ. For more stories like these, subscribe to Yankees Magazine by visiting yankees.com slash publications or by calling 800-GO-YANKS. The MLB Ballpark app will complete your next visit to Yankee Stadium. Buy and manage game tickets, redeem special check-in offers, access exclusive content, and much more. Download the MLB Ballpark app today by visiting yankees.com backslash ballpark app. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team.